1: In the history of our state, it started with the uh, tragic and senseless murder of George Floyd and it extended through the week of uh, righteous anger being expressed by community leaders and all people of conscience and continued to deteriorate into uh, to civil unrest and eventually violence and, and rioting. All
2: right, Governor Tim Walls. welcome back in here, Mackey and Judd. And John Thomas is the Timberwolves Vice President of Basketball Development and Community Engagement He's been on our show a couple of times, and, and John and I have had some great conversations over the years, just uh, just like we had John on to tell stories at the state fair a couple of years yeah, ago, too. So it's super fun. And uh, and John, you're also a proud Minnesotan who attended Minneapolis Roosevelt High School, and I think I would just love to to give you a platform here to talk about how you're processing everything that has happened in our cities here the last seven days or so.
1: First and foremost, really appreciate the platform that you guys stand on, and how much of a stance you're just taking for one, spreading positive news throughout all that's happening, and then second, um, really, I think calling for change. So, you know, it, it's an honor and a privilege once again to jump on and and talk about something a little bit different than sports. You know, although sports happens to be the fiber that sort of connects us. Uh, ultimately, we're all human beings, so again, I, I really am grateful and appreciative of, of what, what the two of you are doing. Um, processing is probably the best word for w- what's happening. Uh, you know, during the coronavirus pandemic, uh, it certainly caused us as a society really to take pause and think about the things that are ultimately important, which is our health, and, and the health of our family and friends and, and so on and so forth. So I've certainly had a lot of self-reflection during this time because we haven't had the, the privilege of being able to entertain people, you know, through our sport, uh, both with the Wolves and Lynx organizations. Um, then, on, then you throw this on top of it uh, certainly has, has caused a, a ripple. I think, you know, certainly in, in myself, but obviously across the nation, Um, and, and then being self-reflective and self-aware, uh, you know, I've had a lot of internal questions that I've just been asking around, you know, what is it that I can do? How can I do more? How do I take action? And, and I'm a person who grew up on the corner of 37th and 5th, where I had to walk literally blocks away, which was the, the death scene and which is now the memorial where George Floyd was killed. When I went to Bancroft Elementary and then would take the bus uh, to Roosevelt High School. Yeah. So um, I took my family down to to one to, to revisit just my neighborhood area. Then we parked the car right outside of my old house and and we walked. And I could it, it was it was a surreal experience for me because I could never imagine that that many people would sort of gather in in the old South Side neighborhood. Um. But it was important for my 11-year-old son, who is also processing, uh, who, who happens to be a, a staunch activist, uh, really wants to get out and march. And my 6-year-old and 4-year-old had no idea what that ultimately means, but I thought it was really important to, one, share it. And then we joined uh, the, the, the march of protests uh, because I, I think, you know, when you think about the word processing, I think it's it's a part of that process uh, to ultimately think about, you know, the gravity of the situation where, um, you know, everything has reached a boiling point and you think about an officer kneeling and executing um, someone, you know, for a little under nine minutes. Um, it's a tough pill to swallow. So certainly I've shed tears over it. I would say that I'm, I'm a proud member of an organization with the Wolves and Lynx where we've got leaders on the business side, on the basketball side. everyone from Ethan Cash and Ryan Tankey to all of our senior executives Um, on the Lynx side. We look at um, Cheryl Reeve, Rebecca Brunson, Coach Saunders has reached out and to have a conversation around, you know, how can we actively do the things that are necessary to really, one, promote education and unity uh, but begin the healing process. Obviously you saw with what Carlton Towns and Josh Akogi did to to take a stance. And as young men, uh, you know, looking back and reflecting in, in my twenties here, well, to some degree we're, we're clueless, but uh, I genuinely appreciate how, how involved and how active they are in, in utilizing their platform to really galvanize the community and, and, and push for change. So, Certainly I can go on and on, but I, I more than anything I want to create a, a dialogue uh and, and really be able to answer some questions and albeit I'm certainly not an expert in civil rights and, and politics and, and all the things that are happening, but as a human being and a citizen one of and someone who is near and dear to me, um I'm looking at what are ways in which I can provide solutions because we've seen this narrative before. Mm-hmm. Right. There's been a ton of riots and protests uh but it doesn't stop the racial profiling it doesn't stop the killing uh it doesn't stop a lot of the things that we're seeing and i think that's ultimately what's what's led us to this point and again i'm really grateful and appreciative of, of the two of you um in, in order to start creating conversations to, to help us all collectively move forward
0: john describe what seeing what's t- uh, taking place in your hometown the past week has been like because there's been things that are are absolutely heartbreaking and sickening and disgusting. And then there have been things that are that I think, especially as you talked about with your uh, child, but there are things that we've seen from people in their 20s that have been have been um, positive and things that you say the future might not be that bad. Just if you can sort of articulate the uh, gamut of emotions that you probably have run through here in the past seven days.
1: <laughs> um, I'm an emotional person. Uh, I also know myself well enough to know that if if I lead with reaction, uh, due to my size, due to uh, the color on my skin, um, I'm a I'm a bigger target in a lot of ways. And obviously, you know, being in, being a member uh, of the Timberwolves and Lynx organization, there's certainly a lot of things that you know potentially could come. Uh, from from that, I've probably on purpose have gone silent in social media, uh, partly because of you know, one, just dealing with coronavirus and sort of processing even, you know, how do we sort of move our collective business forward, uh, but also at the same time, uh, if I'm not prepared to offer a solution, uh, I, I tend not to speak unless I'm able to do that. Uh, certainly, uh, I think drawing awareness um to the matter i think is important um oftentimes you know we talk about range of emotions um i find myself in certain instances crying um just because of those memories that i've had of, of being a kid in the south of minneapolis and riding my bike and, and being put in a police car for no reason when i moved to queen rapids uh, back in the day of the old school zelda came out with the gold case and my boy called me and was like hey you know it's out and i and i and I biked over fast to his house, super excited about it. And, and on my way home, I probably doubled the RPMs of my wheels. And, and heading back home, just because I was so excited to to put the cartridge into the NES system, and was pulled over by a police officer and, and put in a cop car again. And I would tell you that you know my experiences um, are are common, and with those that have color on their skin, and we've all got stories around what what's happened. To us and there's this feeling that you know it, it, it happens again, it happens again, and and obviously social media certainly puts a, a, a bright spotlight on it. But when you talk about the gamut of emotions and what's happened specifically when one my neighborhood, um, and you think about it, you know, and it hits home. And you know, I've had the the the, the good fortune of being able to connect with the police chief Chief Ardondo, and deputy chief, the mayor through some, some previous programs that we did when, uh, you know, as as, uh, on the social responsibility side of the organization. So a lot of those things for me are, are sort of resonating in the back of my mind. But when you think about the gamut of emotions, it's, um, and you think, you know, you, you turn on and, uh, you know, frankly speaking, when you, when I first start to see the, the looting. um, my initial, and and I, and I share this sentiment, um, because it's the human side of me. But when I first started seeing the looting, my initial reaction is this is, this is where they believe that you are for those that are racist, they, you're acting as if they believe you, you are acting. Um, and certainly, you know, it it hits close to home when you think about like David FEMA, his, his restaurant was looted and, you know, David is a is an upstanding man and, and a wonderful person with a great family, and you don't want to see those things happen to him. So my heart breaks for the small business owners that you know don't have rioters' insurance on things that have that have happened to really destroy the, their property. Um, and then you think of the other side of those that are actually angry, and and the, and the question is, have you ever been to a point where you've been frustrated or someone continues to interrupt you? Uh, and you don't have a voice and you've been stifled over and over again. And, and I, I, I can't pretend to be in those people's shoes that have destroyed our property, inclusive of those that have come from out of state. And from what we've you know, from those alleged reports. So uh, the, the gamut of emotions are real, uh, you know, from anger to frustration, to sadness, to, uh, to anger, to frustration and sadness, uh, ultimately wanting to really, uh, be a part of a solution to help uh, one our city you know, get back on its feet and and start the conversation and the dialogue around how do we how do we not let this happen ever again?
2: John Thomas is our guest here on Mackey and Judd, and some of the tweets I've been getting the last couple of days have been uh, just to sort of lump them all together. Stick to something you know, Mackie. Stick to sports and statistics, right? And so I want—I actually want to bring a statistic, which is, like, we can all agree, like, I'm the stat guy here on Score North, right? You know, Matthew Collar used to be, I mean, Matt, Matt and I are sort of the stat guys the last few years. And I want, I, as I see it, and you step in and tell me if I'm wrong here, John Thomas, but the protests, and I'm talking about the mostly peaceful protests, the actual movement here that we should be most focused on, not to at all condone burning down businesses at all, but... We're focused on police brutality and also the systematic issues that have led to the economic and educational oppression of of black communities. Is it just to just to pause real quick? Is that fair that those are those are the two things that we are those are the thirty thousand foot concepts we're working with here? Is that accurate?
1: Very accurate. So at
2: the end, yep. So so here's my statistic, okay? Because I want to illustrate this for people. This is this is important. There are 621 billionaires in, this, in the United States, 621 billionaires in the United States. Five of them, as of 2019, are black. And, and, and by black, I mean African-American, not people of color. Five out of 621 are black. Uh, Oprah Winfrey, Michael Jordan, Kanye West is now a billionaire, And also, uh, businessmen Robert Smith and David Stewart are also billionaires. So 5 out of 621, okay? That's less than 1% of the total billionaire pie, black people. Yet, the U.S. population is 12% black people. And so you might wonder, why is that? And it's because, based on 400 years of systems... And based on the fact that if you are a black person in 1930, 40 or 50, even you probably couldn't even own a house in certain parts of the United States to at least, and not not talking about building like millions of dollars of wealth for your family. But, you know, you buy a home, your family sells it. Now you got some money in the bank. And then that accumulates over several generations of family and et cetera, et cetera. And so I guess my question through this is, John Thomas, when you hear people say things like. Well, listen, I mean, the civil rights movement was 40 or 50 years ago. Legally, there's nothing holding black Americans back from going and getting what's theirs and and improving their lives and so on and so forth. What is your response to that?
1: Well, there's, you know, first and foremost, we all operate, you know, from the, the same thing that we have, which is our animal brain. And our, excuse me, and our animal brain if, if we're operating through love, it's, we bring those things that are closer to us. And when we operate out of fear, we push those things away from us. So fear, anger, um, oppression, self doubt, all of those things come from, uh, you know, the continued oppression of, um, those things that, uh, the, the majority have not understood. And because they feared it, Uh, they've pushed them away. So to, to really get into sort of your statistics, your statistics. Um, and I would tell you that to some degree it hits home is that, um, black families in South Minneapolis are not having the conversations about how to accumulate and grow wealth. And that's just one pillar of a multitude of instances, which really hasn't empowered us to understand as a collective, uh, how we can do that. Um, then you think about the ways in which jobs are handed out, and again, um, we're all paid to solve problems or to eliminate problems or stop them from happening. And if we're most comfortable with those that look like us, sound like us, dress like us, talk like us, uh, that's why you see, um, specifically in the state of Minnesota, you know, when you think about, you know, picture act after picture. certain organizations that their their staffs are are mostly full of of white people so um i think it's important to understand that you know when you think about just the opportunity that that those who have versus those that have not it's it's more than anything it's it's asking yourself why and is it important for us to understand why and because whether it's someone of color or someone of another culture, um, the lack of understanding ultimately leads to that fear, which pushes us away and we sort of operate in our normal. So when you think about how media adds to that image, um, you know, there was a time where I had dreadlocks and it was when I finished playing in my playing career and I had gone through a divorce and I had, you know, my, (laughs) let's call it my first, post-career midlife crisis, if you will. (laughs) I grew out my dreadlocks. I grew out a beard. I was like, man, basically I don't care. Um, But ultimately what I was doing is um, I was putting up a barrier to to entry um, where if you look at how African-American males with dreadlocks are portrayed on television, oftentimes you see a woman in a mugshot. So... um, I knew at that point as I was transitioning into corporate America that I needed to cut my hair. Um, it's not that I couldn't express myself. It's just that as a six foot eight black man in society, I know that I'm looked at differently before a word even comes out of my mouth because people fear what they don't know. Yeah. So a lot of that has led to systematic oppression, um, you know, and it's passed down generationally. Uh, you know, I, I would ask you guys to, to think about the ways in which your parents have taught you, uh, your value system, and then ultimately who are, their, who are their friends and the people they surrounded themselves with. And ultimately that leads to, you know, how you create your environment. And ultimately you, what you will do is also then pass that down to your children. So through that generational uh, op- opportunity of, hey, son, hey, daughter, this is the way in which you conduct yourself specific to our value system. This is how you progress yourself to get another job, so on and so forth um, when you think about the plight of African Americans, it's laced with anger. It's laced with, we were always getting the table scraps, um, you know, the, the, the pig's feet, the, 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 the intestines of the the pig, um, that we have somehow turned into a negative, into a positive. And you think about the types of things that, you know, we do to ultimately jump over that hurdle. So it's a deep, deep, deep discussion that, you know, has many, many layers to it, uh, certainly of which we don't have the time to discuss. But, you know, in, in my opinion, those are some of the things that sort of come to the top of mind for me.
0: John, at the end of the day, how confident are you that what we're seeing now, what we've seen is going to result in true change?
1: It's a great question. You know, the, I'm, I'm an optimistic person by nature. Uh, you know, I, I, and I'm a believe. I believe in the power of opposites. You know, for example, when they say more money, more problems. Yep. Uh, but if there's problems, then you know, how do you figure out to, to create you know the positive side of it? The pendulum has clearly swung in a direction of, uh, let's call it incendiary nature, uh, both figuratively and and, and uh, realistically. Um, my hope is that as we come out of this and, and I would say that even based upon the actions of our organization, the conversations that are happening internally, knowing how powerful the NBA platform is used for progressive thought and action and stances on social justice, uh, we will create programs and solutions to, to ultimately start the conversation towards healing. Um, it's important, I think, when, when you think about perspective. Um, there's no way that the two of you can put black skin on. But I think it's important to, if, if it's something of interest, there are books that are out there. There are certainly are our, our YouTube uh, videos that speak to some of these issues. Uh, there's a wonderful document on, on uh, documentary on Netflix called 13th, where it talks about the 13th Amendment. Uh, There are lots of different ways where ultimately we we as a society can continue to educate ourselves on why these issues are happening. And and, and that's great, but we can all protest, we can all make a stance. But if we don't collectively figure out a way to take action, then that optimistic hope uh, of us stopping to uh, abuse, kill uh, us as a society... Uh, certainly won't
2: stop. Uh, John, last thing for you here, and this is – I feel like we could do this for two straight weeks and, and do this deep dive, and we'd love to have you on again at some point. But just in terms of dissecting everything here in the last week, uh, you, you're a, a lifelong Minnesotan. Has your opinion of the state of Minnesota in any way changed now compared to two weeks ago?
1: Um. It's a great question. Uh, I, I certainly think that I didn't understand, you know, to, to some degree, the underpinnings of the multitude of stories that I've heard from from other uh, black community members around the oppression that they've faced. Uh, in, in growing up in South Minneapolis, uh, you know, basketball entered my life. And through that, it's allowed me to be exposed to college and ultimately the nba and then uh a worldly perspective through overseas basketball playing as well so it's the positive of it is is giving me this litany of of experiences that many people haven't had the opportunity to share that perspective uh on the other side of it and speaking of opposites is uh you know to some degree i've been sheltered uh because of the, the life that i've uh, you know, pushed and worked so hard to lead in thinking that professional basketball was was a, was a calling and, and a passion for me. Um, it, it, I would say yes uh, to to answer your question because my experience as a whole, and again, you know, pointing back to some of the uh, racial profiling and instances that have happened to me when when I absolutely have no record, certainly you know, stick with me. But when I've heard the other stories and, you know, I I'm, I'm sure like all of us were and all of us that are curious and, and want to create a solution, we've seen all the stories around what's happened. Um, so I would say, yes, it has, but again, the optimist in me uh, really wants to be a part of a solution. And, you know, how do we u- collectively utilize our platform, uh, within the world's links organization to, to really create change, uh, I, I welcome any dialogue conversation you know through through you guys, through community members, uh, both on a personal and professional level because this this is is important, and the the time that we spend on this needs to be done diligently and effectively to ultimately create the right type of change
2: hey uh would you feel comfortable just telling people how if if they want to have a conversation with you or have a conversation through you? to the wolves in some way if, if people want to help and they're well intentioned, what's the best way to go about that?
1: Well, uh, I, I use Twitter a lot and more, and, I, and I've gone more dark uh, on Twitter uh, obviously because of coronavirus uh and then, you know, recent events. But uh, my Twitter handle is, is at JG John Gregory and Thomas T H O M A S. You certainly can tweet, tweet me. I'm, I'm willing to jump into conversations, but moreover, Um, I want to be able to, at some point provide context because I think, uh, you know, it's easy, you know, we've got a lot of digital warriors out there that are, that don't have the right type of perspective or might not have the right kind of intentions and, and are sharing information or, or, are being abusive, uh, you know, so it definitely doesn't help the cause. So for those that, you know, really want to be a part of a solution, um, you know, I, along with other leaders in our organization, certainly want to be a catalyst to that. Awesome. I, man. Also, I also can be. I also can be reached via email at john j o h n dot thomas t h o m a s at timberwolves Hey,
2: thanks for coming on.
1: Really appreciate you guys. Thank you. Thanks, thanks John. Again, John. Uh, all right, John Thomas,
2: Vice President of Community Engagement, Minnesota Timberwolves. It's outstanding stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Also, yeah. I'm sorry. That was yes! that was impressive. Back to back, too. You yeah. don't to see that much. A good question from both of us. Puts, uh, puts me now back to, well, we evened it out there. Evened so I've test. got 14 good questions on the season. Judd has 12. Rami with nine. Um, and he'll, his total will probably stay there unless we decide to give him a platform again to try and get a great question. And a great Just question. in terms good of the
0: crescendoing of a guest giving, you, giving someone a good question point, I think that was the best I've ever heard. Like there was such a buildup.
2: There was a buildup. There was a huge buildup.
0: So how can you listen to what John just told us and in any way, shape, or form be confused about this whole thing?
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Like he articulated it perfectly. Yeah. Like there's no, again, this is not some type of debate of, well, I don't know about what John Thomas just said. Mm -hmm. He just basically, incredibly smart guy, laid it out from his perspective as a black man. Like, okay, we just heard it. It's and he's not it's not like he's being biased towards one side. Yeah. Um, I just this is what I don't understand. How do you how do you uh listen to that and not feel empathy and actually also because he did such a great job of laying things out, come away with at least slightly more of
2: an understanding, right? Right. John Thomas is just an unbelievable I don't know if public speakers. Right. John Thomas is unbelievable at communicating a point. Yes, and um, that's part of the reason why we want we wanted to have him on today because not not only is is John Thomas from the backyard of Ground Zero, so to speak, of where all of this has been happening, but he has worked his way through 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 basketball and then through his work with the Timberwolves front office, mm-hmm. and he has, I think, carved a great path as an example for. Listen, like. This is how you. Th- this is how you can not only make a name for yourself professionally, but this is also how you can use your platform to then reach back down, help other people, and explain circumstances to people. And so, listen, like that's that's kind of what this is about. I think for me and for us, which is let's not let's just not dismiss this as oh, there's just a bunch of crazy rioters who are stealing TVs. Like, no, this is happening all around the country. There are reasons for it. I want to know what the reasons are, yeah, and I want to talk about that, yes,
0: and let's let's sort through
2: there there's there's a lot going on here,
0: and I completely understand that okay so so nobody is condoning the rioting, the violence, the looting, but if you can work your way through that, there is something far more important here and and that's where. I think we tend to get confused because there's so much noise here. There's so many things to glum onto and say, I am anti-stealing. Okay, oh, yeah, okay, thank Mm -hmm. you. That's great. We all should be. Um, But if you can work your way through through all of that to the core of why we're talking about this, why this started, that to me is easily the most important thing, and that's where the answers lie in, are we going to improve ourselves from this? Or are we just going to have a lot of lip service and in five years be back to where we were um, a week ago today before before this entire tragedy started to unfold before us? Yeah.
2: So thanks to John for coming on the show here. We uh, we we thank him. We appreciate it. And quite frankly, we should probably have him on again at some point to, to go even deeper with. With some of these conversations, um, other things like there's—I just have a whole checklist. Let's start. Let, let's let's start with uh, or go back to our conversation about the semi truck driver here,
0: mm-hmm.
2: right? Because I've probably watched this film and this video a hundred times. Yeah, since it, I was watching. Were you watching live when it happened? No, I was walking Stella. <sighs> I got home and Don said
0: it's really bad, and I and then I saw the picture of the truck stopped on the bridge.
2: I mean, I was. But uh, I've seen.
0: I've seen. uh uh, clips of it continually since then. Yeah,
2: I, I happened to be watching live, and sort of like we'll play the clip here from KSTP TV as they were watching live as well. And I was like, oh, oh, I, oh, they're all dispersing. They, oh, they must like the police must be coming down with. A big jug of mace or something. We are looking at the people, thousands there on the
0: ground. What's happening right now? We Oh wow, they're moving across. What's going on? I'm, uh, I'm not certain what. Oh we're my gosh! Here. Wow! Oh my gosh! A giant. Uh, <gasps> oh my gosh! This is very dangerous. Oh my
2: gosh! Oh, I, I,
0: I'm not I, sure I how that that, seen. that vehicle made its way. It's being surrounded now.
2: So it, it actually remind And thank thank God nobody was seriously hurt. Somehow, I, how did that how? I'm actually also I'm I'm shocked that no one was hurt, and we can get into like he clearly slowed down, which which I think takes the story that we thought we saw and probably pivots it to something else. But as soon as as soon as his truck stopped, and as soon as people started jumping on the hood to a stop the truck and then to pull him out, Mm -hmm. you know I was only seven years old or six or seven years old. I immediately thought of the Rodney King, the the infamous that truck driver that was going through Los Angeles. Yep, yep. And and different circumstances that that dude was wrong place wrong time right he did nothing wrong being made an example of this dude came barreling in whether there was intent or not it was very reckless and careless um, and maybe the state is somewhat at fault but I just couldn't like I I thought the whole time I thought oh my god they're going to kill him like they're going they're going to kill him and then the narrative is going to be listen all like ten thousand thugs on a bridge and look this is what happens. And now that we've seen some of the other video that's come out, you see all kinds of people, protesters on the ground restraining oh, they protected violent them. protesters yep. from trying literally trying to rip this yep. guy's, you know, head he off of He got beat body. up and
0: then protected. It's the damnedest thing. But that that's what I'm saying about there has been for the last six days or so, there was so many there's so many horrific things and terrible things. But if you look through some of them, there's things that absolutely make you want to cry because there's such acts of kindness, and to see people protect this guy, and I have no
2: idea what his motives were. I have no, I have no clue. Okay, By the way, of course he has a Russian name just to add like another like layer to the after, story. On the, Fr- after the on Russians. Friday, I declared that Russians weren't bad guys.
0: <laughs> this guy has a Russian, but anyway, you know to see to see them, and, and I actually saw they interviewed one of the guys who was in the cab area or pulled the guy out and helped protect him on one of the uh, news stations last night. And he basically said, we could have killed him, but we're not going to be that. Like, think about that for a second. Because yeah. we're talking about relatively young people, highly emotionally charged. Yeah. But, they're, but they basically say, we're, we're mad, we want change, but we're not going to get it through how the Minneapolis Police Department worked.
2: Uh, yeah, and I, I got... I think. Well, let's let's go to the core question here with this semi truck driver, which is: Do you guys think he drove that truck intentionally and tried to kill people? Because I have, I've gone back and forth on this. I think if he wanted to kill people, he could have. Like he could have, right. he could have veered left or right, or have like he he clearly stopped when he saw a woman on the ground who was having some sort of medical issue or had tripped or whatever it was. So he clearly stopped. But then if you start to back up and say, all right, well, if if he didn't do it, if he didn't drive up there to to kill somebody, did he drive up there just to, like, angrily disperse the crowd and threaten them with a semi, but he stopped short of actually wanting to kill somebody? Or was it even further back, which is, no, nah, this dude just, like, this guy was just, like, trying to get through 35W. No, <laughs> and
0: No, no, no. And, and I believe that they did say that he is
2: from here. He's from Otsego, I believe I
0: said. So you would have to be, and not to know that there were protests on the freeway by that point. But but again, and Phil, I think you pointed this out on Twitter last night. We've all driven that way a thousand times. That's not like you You come over an incline and can't and are like, my God, there's a bunch of people no, here. It's, it's
2: all in front of it's you.
0: It's in front of you. It's basically so. I don't. I agree with you that he could have swerved and killed people. So I don't know that his, there's the video again. I don't know that his motives were to kill people. I do think though, that he had some type of motive to try and scare them. I mean, there's something there to dismiss it and be like, Oh, just a big mistake to me is way too simple. So I do think that he was, I, I honestly believe that in what we have seen now, starting with probably Wednesday, Wednesday, I think that there is a lot of, I guess I would call them agents of chaos, trying to create chaos. I think there's a lot of people trying to get a message across, and I am on board. But you have a lot of people who are probably very weak-minded, very uh, sheep-like, and who have beliefs or have been brainwashed. are trying to do nothing more than create chaos and to me that seemed like a move of chaos
2: yeah well let's let's actually do this here um we want to get into the unmarked vehicles we want to get into uh, reports and photos of suspicious small groups in suburb areas and the way that the media was treated so we'll get to those things but declan actually so one of your friends from college was literally like feet away from this as it was happening on the bridge right yes he was And what's his name? Dan Brink is his name. Let's hear from him right now.
1: Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone.
2: Get more ways to save at the Buy Five or More. Save $1 each sale.